Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode 41 of the Nathan Seward Show. The Nathan Seward Show. Personal conversations with powerful men. Well, welcome to the show, guys. Great to have you in. As always, every week we're having deep, vulnerable, unedited conversations with men who have overcome adversity to thrive in their business and their lives. And this week is no different. We have Juvan Langford on the show, which we'll come back to in a moment. But uh, something I want to share with you guys, I, I travel pretty much full-time at the moment. I'm in New York and just loving it. It's uh, eclectic. It's fun. It's uh, vibrant. Uh, and I'm just, I'm loving every minute of it. I can't get enough of this city. And people often ask me, well, how do you how do you do it? How do you travel? How do you organize your travel every month? And one of the ways I do it is through a company called Unsettled. And you can check them out, uh, bbeunsettled.co is their website, beunsettled.co. And they organize these one-month adventures for people that are transitioning between jobs and have a month off, uh, entrepreneurs that are able to work anywhere in the world, or professionals that are able to work remotely and just want to have a, uh, they don't want to leave their job, but they want to have a month working from a cool location. And they've convinced the boss, hey, I'm going to go and uh, going to go and work somewhere else for a month and I promise I'll, I'll still be productive. And I, I love them. I went to Columbia in August with uh, Unsettled and I had a month with them. And what an amazing experience. First of all, they take care of your apartment. So you rock up and your apartment's there. They, there's an airport transfer waiting for you as soon as you hit the country. They take you straight to the apartment, which is organized. they got a whole office already organized for you that you can go and use anytime. Your Wi-Fi is taken care of. There's uh, a SIM card with uh, data on it taken care of. They organize tours every weekend. They um, organize networking events. And there's like 20 or 30 other people doing this trip with you during the month, um, all staying at different apartments all around the place. So you have this instant network of people, even if you've never been to this country before. And I just love this idea. And if you want to start traveling or you want to travel and work, then this is your first stop. So one thing I want to do is things that uh, are really cool to me and that have really helped me in my life, I want to share them with you guys and I want to try and get a discount. So by referring you guys to them, I get a discount for you and they give me a little kickback as well. So everybody wins, Sunshine. It's a great deal. So Unsettled reached out to me and they said, hey, all right, here's the deal. If anybody mentions your name when they book, we're going to take 150 straight off the bottom line and that's going to be a discount to them for their trip straight away. Uh, 150 bucks, no questions asked. So go and check out their website if you're into this, beunsettled.co. They've got trips to Portugal. They've got trips to Colombia, Nicaragua, Bali, Cape Town, uh, Barcelona. I saw one in Morocco, I think. So if you're interested in doing this, go and check out their website, and if you choose to book, use the discount code Friends of Unsettled, and then we're asked for the name, mention Nathan Seward. And like I said, I'll take 150 bucks straight off, and that'll be my gift to you. Go and check it out today. So as I said, we've got Juvan Langford on the show this week. Uh, I'm so stoked to have Juvan. It's taken us ages to get together because he is a busy man. He's a man on a mission. He's out to, out to change the culture of men around the world. He's uh, in LA. He's got a, a foundation that's working with middle school, uh, middle school boys to help them become better men and learn about life and masculinity and how to treat women and sexuality. This guy is incredible. I've never met someone that lives a more powerful, mission-based, extraordinary life. And so I was so pumped to have him on the show. And I asked him to come on for uh, the usual hour, hour 15. He said, no way, I can only do 30 minutes. I said, how about 45? And he said, done, I'll give you 45 and I'll make sure it's the best 45 minutes you've ever had. And I think he kept that promise. So I hope you enjoy this one. It's a very personal conversation with the powerful Juvan Langford. First of all, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to be able to. My, my background uh, is I was born on the East Coast in central Massachusetts, and I was kind of buttered in the West in Los Angeles. I've been here for the last seven or eight years. 
I spent the better half of my 20s in Los Angeles. And I grew up, I was born to a single, a single mom, essentially. My mother was 16 when she got pregnant. And within a couple of years, my dad actually was diagnosed with leukemia. He passed away. And so my mother essentially raised me and my sisters by herself. And she was a baby raising a baby. And of course, when you lose the love of your life, you, you tend to you know, go into a dark place, a period of darkness. My mother did that. And in that time, she chose drugs and alcohol as an outlet. And so for the entirety of my life, my mother has pretty much struggled with drugs and alcohol abuse. And so I was legally adopted at age four and a half. And that was a really powerful experience to me because it was a, an opening for me to really explore my identity in a way that perhaps a child shouldn't. I had a lot of uh, challenges with feeling and being man enough. I had a lot of challenges with understanding who I was and what I, how I was supposed to show up in a room and how, I, how to connect with people. I was deathly afraid to really connect with boys and girls. Um, in addition to losing my dad, I also experienced sexual abuse as a kid. And so those two things really caused a lot of disconnect and discord uh, internally in, in my emotional body and really caused me to kind of play small and hide out most of my life. I had a narrative that connecting with men, one of two things, that they would either abandon me or they would abuse me. And so I didn't spend any time with, with men or any, any of the boys in the neighborhood because I didn't know how to. And I was afraid. And I spent a lot of time being around women. So I was very effeminate as a kid. And as I grew older, I grew taller. I'm actually six foot six, uh, which is, I think, almost two meters. The metrics in Australia and New Zealand are a little bit different than here, but <laughs> the short of the long is I got recruited in the high school, junior high, to start playing basketball because I was a tall kid. And I was hesitant because, you know, the teams meant being around men all the time. But the dichotomy here was that on the other end of the fair was also an opportunity to be seen and to be heard for the first time in my life. So I not only played basketball, but I played football and I ran track because that was the only time I really felt like I had an identity. And much of my identity turned into being an athlete. And that kind of went on for the majority of my life. Wow. So many defining moments. So many uh, turning points. So were you, prior to basketball and sports, were you yourself quite introverted? Yeah, you know, I, I would show up to practice early. I would put in work, or as we say in America, go hard in the paint. And then when practice ended, I was the, probably the first one home. I didn't hang around, I didn't socialize. I didn't really connect with the guys. It was kind of awkward. And I just didn't know how to connect. I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. You know, I think about it like this. When you have friends and, you know, there's a game on, on, on the telly and you want to, you know, go watch the game and your house is a mess, you always offer, hey, let's go over to your house. Or if you want to go to like a sporting event or, or a bar and your car is a mess, you say, hey, let's take your car. I'll give you gas money. We never want people to be in our home when it's a mess. And it's kind of like me as a kid and many people in the world when the inside game, when, when the internal and the intrinsic you is a mess and there's a lot of discord and there's darkness, you don't invite people in. And so I spent a lot of my life not allowing people to truly see who I was and well into my 20s. And um, that experience has really influenced the depth and the direction of my life. And I'd say it wasn't until around the age of about 25, maybe 26, where I went on this really deep personal development journey, uh, having relocated to Los Angeles and being in a new environment and, and building new friendships and really getting a clean slate for the first time in my life. I, it really shifted my perspective and how I approached life, reading books and listening to video podcasts, taking on coaches, going to experiential weekend events, watching tons of YouTube videos and just really understanding, wow. You know, without a basketball, football, or some track shoes, I don't really know who I am. And so who am I without this athletic identity? And I went through 
but a lot of athletes go through, which is called identity foreclosure, where I had to let go of who I thought I was and to create room for who I've always intrinsically been. So it's it's been a really dynamic journey, and I'm really excited to be here and, and, and in a position now where I can support other men and women in navigating those transitions. Yeah, that's um, that's beautiful. I just ended a um, 16 year career as a pilot about five months ago, and it's one of those careers that's probably similar to sports, where it is quite defining about who you are. And so I've been going through that exact process the last four or five months of like, okay, without that, hard to play. Who am I now? Because those roles they speak for you, right? Like when you're a sports person, I guess that says something about you. It says you're disciplined, you're healthy. It says you're fit, and when you start taking those things away, you have to find out who you are, who your who your real identity is. So, were you aware when you were younger that you had those things going on internally? So, when you get into your twenties and you realize actually I've got to start doing some personal development, did you feel those things were missing when you were younger? You know, somebody asked me this just yesterday, believe it or not. And my, <laughs> my response was this: I try to be original, but. but not, well, you know, it's, it's original to listeners here, right? <laughs> the audience, right? Exactly. I, I feel that when I was a kid, being raised by another single mom, my grandmother to be exact, she took custody of me and my sisters and raised us since we were young. And when I graduated from university, I crossed the stage and standing on the other end of the stage was my grandmother. And she had tears boiling in her eyes. And as I took the last step down, she reached for me and I reached back for her and she hugged me. She released the hug, but didn't take her hands off my back. And she looked me in the eyes and she just stared at me for, it felt like an eternity, but it was probably 30 seconds or so. And she said something that I'll never forget. She said, thank you for listening to me. And I didn't get it in that moment what she meant, but in retrospect, when I think about it, as a kid, Nathan, I was a very generous listener. And I didn't know why. I just wanted to know. I had a very inquisitive mind. I just I was always inquiring why things the way were the way they were, why she chose to make these choices, why life was this way, why my mother went a struggle with drugs, where was my dad? I wanted to know, and I've always wanted to know, and I feel like I've been very good at gathering information. And this this second chapter or this next chapter of my life has been taking action on that information. So I have this this tank of of transformational tools, and now I'm learning how to use those tools. And it's been really powerful for me because, you know, as you grow and you evolve as a being and understanding who you are, it shifts the way that you show up. And I think that's the most important thing that I, that I teach is really embodiment tools for people who desire to reach greater levels of self-knowledge. Because when you know yourself, you show up powerfully in every room and in every relationship you step into because you have so much more to contribute. You have so much more to say. And that's that's really the key is, is say what needs to be said, you know, empower and encourage people to really live their best lives. So you were very inquisitive and curious and you knew a lot of the elements that made you, you lack the tools to really put them into place. And so what did you do once you, you graduated university? I finished school and I actually, I took a one-way ticket to Los Angeles. I landed in LA in June, on June 18th, 2010. And I've been here ever since and have worked every odd job a man can work. <laughs> Uber driving to modeling for Abercrombie and Fitch to working for MGM, doing plumbing for different buildings and doing painting uh, the back decks of people's homes and doing it, being an academic tutor and being a basketball coach. I mean, I've done everything you could think of trying to find my way. 
being here. I landed a job at this huge uh, YouTube network called Maker Studios, and it was one of the first, maybe 20 or 30 employees there. It was very small when I got there. And it kind of evolved into from like 30 of us to about 450 employees. And we had a satellite office in New York and one in London. And it just it just exploded. It really exploded. And it was an opportunity for me to really get my feet wet in the digital media and the branding uh, arena. So I was creative directing and I was producing content. I was assisting and I was working for you know talent uh, acquisitions. And I did I just got this you know, basically a PhD in digital media while I was at this company. And Disney came in. They bought the company for a quite a sizable amount. And I left there and started my own agency. I started a nonprofit organization. And the last few years I've spent doing, uh, being a creative director and producing a lot of original content for online television, movies, film. Um, and it's been a really phenomenal journey working with people and really extracting the essence of their brand. And interestingly enough, I've now transitioned into doing personal development and, and being a part of this human potential movement and working with you know the individual and teaching them how to extract the essence of who they are in this world. And I think there's, there's no greater gift than being able to translate those skill set in a way that it really reaches people at the core of their heart. And you know, it's, it's my personal mission to teach people how to live, love, and lead from the heart. And, you know, I, I, like to, I like to think that I'm, if I could describe the industry, I wouldn't call it personal development, but I would call it the healing arts because a lot of what I'm doing is really inviting people back into themselves and giving them a, a second chance to be who they've always been. The, the, the digital agency was helping people draw out their story and now you do the same thing for people. Sure do. So how does that look in practice? Yeah, you know, well, I, I do a few things. I have an online virtual business academy that I lead, you know, throughout the year. I also facilitate three-day experiential men-only and women-only events on four continents throughout the year. I do one-on-one coaching uh, with high-level business professionals and corporations. And I think it also comes in the form of working with the youth. I really believe in the power of investing in our future and really working with young children, boys specifically, through my foundation called The Mentor and we do a lot of deep work with young boys, specifically middle school boys, and have a very clear mission of, I would say it's a, it's a male-only mentor-driven education nonprofit that basically facilitates social, emotional, and character development workshops to middle school boys. And you know what we really believe is that given the tools and guidance that young men uh, will have the capacity to live and lead empowered lives inside and also outside of the classroom. So, you know, on both sides of my, from my foundation to my for-profit uh, businesses, it's really focusing on supporting the, the whole individual, not only on a, from a professional standpoint, a vision, but also personally so that they can show up to their life. And if I could break it down, I'd say I really do three things clear across everything that I do. I teach people how to self-educate, which is really building awareness, you know, getting aware of their pattern recognitions and their language patterns and their ways of thinking. Secondly, once they know where they are in their life, they can be honest about that. It's about self-healing. So teaching them how to make a conscious choice to surrender the stories that are holding them back and to shift their mind frames and mindsets. And then ultimately to self-generate, which is producing desirable results in their professional careers, with their vision for their life, and their personal relationships, and their romantic relationships, with their family dynamics, their friendships. Uh, in all areas of life, financially, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. I, I think the reason why a lot of 
the world is where it is right now, just from an, an emotional standpoint. And I mean, from from the weather and the storms and the earthquakes that are happening around the world to, you know, the, the leadership, the presidency and right down to corporations and, and from, to the employee. I think the challenge is dysfunctional men. And I think men are dysfunctional because they're at war within themselves. And they're at war within themselves because they've never really had a safe space to authentically communicate and to connect with other men in a way that they know that they're not alone. And I think most people do feel alone. I think the greatest challenge for most men is loneliness. And it's only because they have yet to learn how to be alone. And that comes back to the self-educating, the self-healing, the self-generating, which is why that's my focus. Man, it's, it's an incredible focus. And I'm, I'm so excited to hear your, um, your take on it because you're exposed to so many different men around the world and you're really at the ground level with this stuff. Loneliness is, is an interesting one. You could expand on that or, or what are some of the other common issues that you see wherever you go with men? Absolutely. You know, traveling to, to Canada, you know, Toronto, Ottawa, Vancouver, traveling to Australia, Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Gold Coast, traveling to India, New Delhi, traveling to Africa, Eastern Africa, traveling throughout America, from Mexico, I mean, from you know, Puerto Rico to New York to California. I've met a lot of men, hundreds of men, hundreds of men, maybe, maybe, maybe thousands. And I see a lot of the same things. Although we have different backgrounds, different cultures, different sexualities, different mentalities, there's really, in my experience, maybe four or five things that I see that we all have in some form or fashion. One is feelings of just inadequacy. We just feel inadequate as men, whether that be sexually, professionally, emotionally, spiritually, we just feel inadequate in our relationship with ourselves and with each other. And because of that, it turns into the second challenge, which is what I call the imposter syndrome. And so because I'm really doing well in business, I have to pretend as if I have some type of love life. And so I go out and I go drinking and I make choices that are out of alignment with who I truly am. And because of that, I'm in this power struggle, which brings me to the third challenge, which is men only feeling significance by way of power. And so when I don't have power in my own life, I find other people or environments where I can control them and be in power. So you see men in the workplace who are just ignorant and just, you know, vindictive and, and create, you know, a very toxic environment to work within. And it, it, it creates a lot of discord um, for other people in their lives. And I think the fourth one is a lot of men are innately have this protect and serve mentality. You know, f- traditionally, historically, men are here to protect and to serve. And because of that, we, we've never really been taught how to receive And a challenge that most men have is they feel alone, but they don't know how to receive love, platonic or romantic or just general love from another man or from a woman. And when you have an inability inability to receive, it it turns into this, this vicious cycle because if you don't receive, you actually break the cycle of giving. And that's that's where you don't want to be. And there's a lot of men there in that place right now who don't know how to receive and they're breaking the cycle of what is supposed to be given to them. They're not open to that. And because of that, the consequences are ultimately being alone and not alone in a more positive or healthy way, but feeling lonely. There's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. Being alone is knowing how to be with oneself and being lonely is to believe that you're in this without company, without someone who's there to hear and see you and hold space for you. 
And what I've learned is if you don't learn how to be alone with yourself, then you will only ever always be lonely. And a lot of men are winning the lonely game. And the key is to learn how to be with yourself so that you can find, finally find peace with the pieces of you. And uh, I think we've just been kind of taught as men to master our masculinity. And it's really caused a lot of discord and it's caused a lot of anger and it's caused a lot of dysfunction within men. And it starts young, such as boys. And these boys are enculturated into this, this mentality that I got to be this way in order to be seen and received and accepted by my male counterparts. And it's, it's just not true. And again, why I'm doing the work I'm doing in the world is to shift the very foundational roots of that conversation. And it's required me to, in a way, you know, I joke, become fluent in vulnerability and just kind of share my stories candidly and not hold back and rob people of that. Because at the end of the day, I understand one thing and one thing only that what I'm doing is not about me. It's much bigger than me. And I think that's why I've been able to amass a lot of success, um, you know, with, with the work I'm doing on different continents and the academies and just the stories that come back to me. It's not even about the money per se or the opportunities, but like the stories that I get to capture on this journey from Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, the stuff that people share with me, the emails I get, there's nothing more rewarding to knowing that people are willing to take action on the information and, and shift the, the dynamics of their life. And how do you reach men? I know that's a challenge that men and personal development don't necessarily go hand in hand. Not an easy mix. That's a great question. How I reach them is by going first. I go first. I put out video content. I, I create human content that's so raw and, and so uncut and unfiltered that people can't help but to say, oh man, me too. I go first in the sense that I tell my story, I share my story. Most men would feel very you know, uncomfortable sharing about abuse as a kid or sharing about their mother struggling with drugs. It's, it's personal, it's, it's real, it's raw, it's uncut. And it's not every day that a man is willing to go the distance in that, in that way. And because I do, a lot of men will message me in private on Instagram or Facebook and say, I've watched your live and I didn't want to comment on your page, but I just wanted to let you know, me too. I'm going through the same thing and I have no idea how to navigate this, but it's affecting my marriage. I'm cheating on my wife. I have no idea how to do this, but it's affecting me in the workplace. I'm about to lose my job. I have, I have no idea where to go or who to talk to about this, but I'm making a choice to do drugs and alcohol and, and to go on these sex capades, you know, and, and behind the scenes and in the dark. And I have nowhere to go. I have nothing to do, but I'm suffering in silence. And the thing that I've learned, Nathan, is that we never really lose our demons. We all, we all have demons that we, we battle. But what we can do is to learn how to live above them. And so it's my duty to teach that. I really feel a, a huge responsibility because of the sense of personal freedom that I'm experiencing today to give all that I have and not get caught up in what people may say about me or how I may be received. What people say about me is none of my damn business. And it's taken a lot of, lot of years for me to be able to say that with conviction and without hesitation. But let me tell you something. Today, I'm telling a very different story than I once did. And it's, it's, it feels great to know that other people can find themselves in my story. And sometimes when we don't have the confidence, we, we got to borrow confidence. And that's why community is so important for men to be around other men who have that. So you can learn tools and techniques on how to navigate that. You know, when you don't have self-belief, you got to find people who believe in you until your belief kicks in. And, and that's something, another reason why community is so important and why I create content. And 
it's it's important to understand that being alone is <laughs> truly the cure to loneliness. And when you know yourself, you enjoy, and you enjoy your company, Nathan. It's not a challenge being alone. And when you can truly master being alone and enjoying your company, others will as well. Opportunity will as well. More money will as well. You know, money enjoys being in relationship with Javon Langford because Javon Langford enjoys being in relationship with Javon Langford. And people enjoy my company and, and attending my trainings and working with me one on one because I know what I bring to the tables that I find myself at because I've learned how to be alone. And I think that's really the greatest gift that we can give ourselves is, is loving ourselves in a way that we can embrace time with ourselves. And when a guy reaches out to you like that through one of those channels, because you know, there's a lot of coaches and pretty self-aware people that listen to the show, and I get a lot of those messages, what step do you take from there? And what is the best step to, to handle someone reaching out like that? Absolutely. The, the biggest thing is to understand their story. For me, it, um, where I begin in, in every call is with the story. It's, it's, you know, at, at the end of the day, Nathan, what's important to understand is that we operate, we as people operate from our truth. And the thing about stories is how you tell your story. I used to tell my story a different way. How you tell your story determines a lot of the opportunities that, that come in, in and out of your life, the relationships that come in and out of your life. Because stories hold words and words hold worlds. And so if you're not conscious of every word that comes out of your mouth, those words will take up space. And in order to dive into, you know, a vision for your life and for the love of your life and a family and, and all those things, you don't need more time or more money or, or riches or, or the most amazing people. You need room. You need space. So if you can begin with the story, understand what parts of the story are taking up entirely too much room. And if you can get clear on that and support them and really reframing the story in a way that it supports them and serves everybody in their life, now we've got some room to work with. Because I feel like a lot of men uh, can't, they, they struggle to share that stuff and literally just struggle with the words. They struggle to find the language. Guessing a part of what you do is you help them uh, voice what they're feeling. Absolutely. And when you take someone through, like I love those three steps of, you know, self-education, self-healing and self-generation. What's available to men on the other side of that? I, I could sit here for the next to, to, the, to the end of the year, for the next couple of months, and, and talk to you about the stories that I've come across. Because it, it feels scary, right? It feels scary for a guy to even admit that there's a problem or even reach out. So how can you share what's on the other side to, to help pull them forward? Yeah, you know what? It, it's, it's actually not scary. You know what? Men are not scared to share. That's, that's what I've discovered. Men are not scared to share. Men are, are, are afraid of or, or hesitant to experience what it feels like to find someone who really sees them and can love them for who they truly are. What's, what's, a, what's afraid, what, the fear, is, is not sharing my story and telling about the, the deep, dark secrets so I think that I have. The fear is when I do tell this secret and I am accepted and embraced by people and money starts to flow in my life, who, what do I do then? We're not afraid of the dark as men. We're afraid of the light. We're afraid of the things that live on the other side. And what lives on the other side is called alignment, abundance, flow. What lives on the other side is connected and deep and meaningful relationships. What lives on the other side is a family, perhaps the one you've been dreaming of thinking that's not available to you. 
who lives on the other side of these conversations, like courageous conversations, asking yourself powerful questions and engaging a community where you can finally surrender the stories that have been running your life is abundance financially, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually. It's all there. And I can only say this because I spent the majority of my life, Nathan, in the dark, holding back, playing small, shrinking, being a doormat everywhere that I went. And it was in the sharing and the surrendering. And as, as I like to say, putting it in the light. You know, if you, if you hold it in the dark, then the shadows cast back on you. But the moment you take that quote unquote deep, dark secret, the moment you take ownership of the thing that you've been refusing to be responsible for is the moment that space is created and opportunities find their way to your door. It's the same moment that the phone call that you've been waiting for calls you back, that the email comes through. The person you just happen to be seeing in line at Starbucks and they're there and you turn around and because you're present and connected and conscious and ready, you win. Those who will win. That's the key. That's truly the key. This, this, the men are not afraid of the dark. Men are afraid of the light. The light that lives within them and also the light that surrounds them everywhere they go. Beautiful, man. You articulate it so well. The freedom I've felt as I've gone through this process over the last few years is just a, a lightness. And when you're living an authentic life or you're keeping a lot of stuff in or you feel like you're on your own, heavy, really heavy. And like to know that, you know, for me, like you said, I, I'm the same. I'm just vulnerable with everything. I'm pretty open with everything. Such a freedom and a lightness that comes with that, that moving through the world knowing that you're an open book. You can go hide. You get to see all of me. You know, the, the thing about pain is that a lot of men are in pain because of their, their feelings of loneliness. And the thing about pain is that it demands to be felt. You can think that we're getting away with it. We're showing face and that, you know, they don't, oh, people at work don't know that I'm struggling or my partner doesn't know that I'm struggling or my boys and my friends, my mates don't know that I'm struggling. But the thing is, it comes out and it will come <laughs> in a way that you don't want it to in most cases. It will affect and influence areas of your life that you don't even think that it's affecting because you think that you're hiding it. But, you know, lies and pain and shame and guilt it takes up so much space in our lives. It takes up so much space in our lives. And the moment that we can be honest about the things we've been through and can take ownership of that and build our awareness, our choices will shift and so won't the results that we desire to yield. Yeah, we see it a lot. In New Zealand, we have really horrible domestic violence statistics, really horrible suicide statistics, which it breaks my heart. I think, you know, I had a, one of the guys said to me that who works at one of the domestic violence nonprofits, he said, you know, these guys don't need anger management training because they know how to manage their anger. They manage it everywhere but at home. They keep it all locked in so everything looks good at work and everything. And then they, they have to, like you said, it has to come out somewhere. And I'm interested in your, uh, your thoughts on purpose. So if a lot of people come to me and say... Uh, I don't know what my purpose is in life. And you're a man that feels very much on mission. How did you come to be so clear on your impact and your mission in the world? You know, when I look down, I'm standing on a lot of shoulders. I wish I, you know, I'm six foot six, but there's a lot of people who have held me high and have poured into me and people who I have sought out and have requested it, that they pour into me. What people see is, oh, your video content's so great, and your workshop was so phenomenal, and oh, you speak so articulate, and you just you articulate that so well, and 
and they see the output. But the thing is, there's so much input behind the scenes. And I can't tell you how many sacrifices that I've made both personally and professionally to be able to quote unquote, get where I am to arrive here. And I think the biggest thing is that most people, they want the treasure, but they don't want to dig. They don't want to go the distance to dig deeper within themselves and to also find people who they can dig into as well. And I think what has supported me in finding my purpose is I'm not afraid to pick up a shovel. I'm not afraid to devour information. And I think that's what separates me from a lot of people. And I think it doesn't make me better. It doesn't make me richer. It doesn't make me look better than anybody physically. But what it does do is it separates me. I've discovered my differentiator. And if you don't know where you're different, then people cannot and will not pursue you for that difference. And what I bring to the table is a very unique asset, and that's my story. I know how to tell my story with layers, textures, and colors. I know how to communicate in a way that people can find themselves. I know, to, I know how also what needs to be shared in each moment. If you listen back to the tape or even how I communicate with you, I'm very conscious of every word that comes out of my mouth. I'm very conscious of that, and it's taken a lot of time. And when you do develop relationships with really dynamic people and they pour into you, you learn a few things like to only move forward with people, places, and things that move forward, not to get caught up in the midst of, you know, all, all those, all the stuff that, that shows up. Because, you know, the moment you declare your purpose, everything you're not will show up just to test you. And in the embryonic stages of building a dream or building a team, just like in pregnancy, you got to be really careful how you navigate life. You can't go running. You can't, you know, jump and kick and, and, and just be everywhere. You got to protect the seed. You got to protect the dream. And I think a big part for me is I've been very much willing to protect the dream that I feel has been placed on my heart many moons ago. And I'm now in a place where I feel that I've mastered or in the process of mastering rather um, what that looks like for me. Because as I'm evolving and we were talking just a moment offline about as I'm evolving and my brand is evolving and my message is evolving. I'm, I'm really taking ownership of that. I remember when I first got started, I was like, yeah, I'm Mr. J. Lankford and I'm the millennial mentor. And I'm, I used every name except for my own. I was hiding and hiding and hiding and hiding. And finally today, I'm Javon Lankford. I've met him and I, and I like him. And I, I like hanging out with this guy. And he's a good guy. And he cooks and he travels and he's well-spoken. He's well-read. He listens. And he's just got a good head on his shoulder. And he's funny. And you know, he's a goofball. And I enjoy him now. Now I'm okay to share him with others. And I think... When it comes to your purpose is it's being unapologetic about what it is that lights you up and then just devouring the information and tools. You can't tell me that you want to be a, a, bat, a writer and you don't have a pen in your pocket. You can't tell me you want to be a painter and I look at your hands and there's no paint underneath your, the, the beds of your fingernails. You can't tell me you want to be a dancer and you don't stand in line tapping your toes and moving your hips and you know humming, humming tunes morning, noon, and night. You've got to eat it. You got to sleep it. You got to dream it. And most people don't step into it in that way. And, and with that type of rigor, if you will. And I think if you really want to discover your purpose, you got to find something that lights you up, something that you do without being paid, something that you don't have to be asked or invited 
to, to, to do on a daily basis and just explore it and get busy in it like you've never got busy before. Great answer. And it's, so it sounds like it's the more you found yourself and the more you went deeper into yourself and found out what makes you different and, and fell in love with that, that actually led you to your purpose. It has. It's ever-evolving. And that's the beauty of purpose is that it'll continue to reveal itself the more you trust the process. Ivan, where can people find more about you? If people want to work with you, who are you looking to work with at the moment? Where are you heading in the next few months? Absolutely. They can find me online at JavonLangford.com or on any social media platform, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or YouTube at Javon Langford. I work with those who are ready to take their lives on, those who desire to live, to love, to lead from the heart, to really not leave a legacy behind, but to live their legacy. Those who really desire to step into higher levels of self-learning and understanding who they are. I will be clear across the world in 2018, starting with a trip to London for a really phenomenal event, all men's event and all women's event, the second and third weekend of January 2018. And uh, soon thereafter, I'll be in Australia, returning to Sydney, Australia in the first quarter of the year and launching my book coming up in uh, the first half of the year, which I'm really excited about and really teaching people how to really build relational wealth, starting with themselves. And yeah, you can follow my journey and photos on Instagram. I think that's probably the easiest way you can keep up to date and see everything I have going on. I'm pretty open on there and share my day to day what I'm working on. So I'm um, looking forward to connecting with those who truly desire to build something bigger than themselves. Yeah, beautiful. You, you do a thing called Taco Tuesdays. I've seen a few few times as well. Yes. <laughs> and the last question, uh, you know, I left a little bit of time on this because I think you have, you have some real insight on this, but we always ask each man at the end about their dark side. And I'm intrigued how you view the dark side now, you know, in terms of conceptually, but also your own dark side. And how you embrace your dark side, those dark parts of you? It's a great question. When I think of the dark side, I think of uh, shame and guilt. And a lot of my shame and guilt that I'm learning on a daily basis to live above is really rooted in the abuse that I experienced as a child and how it's influenced my romantic life. And I'd say the dark side for me is learning how to surrender the stories and to fully embrace my sexuality and also dance with my sensuality without keeping score. And how I come up against that uh, or, or navigate that or dance in that, I would say, is learning how to go on dates and to allow myself to be seen and to be heard, not to hide out, to be vulnerable in my uh, communication, and to also continue to listen generously to what my body wants, what my mind wants, and just being able to honor my truth every moment and not judging myself or disqualifying myself before I allow myself to be seen and heard by others. And so how is that working for you? How, how do you experience relationships now? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I'm, I'm currently dating uh, and it's it's been really phenomenal to allow myself to, again, uh, just communicate what's real for me in every moment. Um, it's really powerful. There's still moments where I find myself holding back or playing small or not fully expressing what I feel or what I want in some moments. And I, I catch myself and I've also made a request, I make a request of, you know, in partnership, you know, these are things that I'm working on and I would really appreciate it if you could hold me high and, and when this does come up that you bring it to my awareness. Um, so asking for support 
has been a big a big one for me. And also being able to receive the, the support when it's offered. That's another thing, right? Not being defensive or wanting to control or to manipulate the situation and circumstances because I speak for a living. So it's easy for me to, you know, talk my way out of a paper bag. But I realize that there's no benefit to me if I'm not building myself. So I can't hurt myself in the way to supporting the lives of hundreds of thousands of people. So I get to win as well. And I'm really looking forward to uh, stepping into that in a really powerful way in 2018 and finding my uh, my partner in shine and, and bringing children into this world and uh, really continuing the cycle. How's your relationship with your mother now? You know, me and my mother talk almost every day. My mother and I have become really good friends and we've had an opportunity last year. I took her on vacation to Dominican Republic and we spent five days together and had probably I probably cried three or four buckets of tears and we talked about a lot of different things and I got to really see my mother to be honest with you for the first time like who she truly was and I think she could say the same thing about me and um, it created a lot of room in my life and I think that's also supported me in relationship with women and um, allowed me to to build that trust back up in me because I'm the woman who brings you into this world and you know, quote unquote abandoned you it, it tarnishes your trust quite a bit. So just being open and honest uh, with my mom about that and how it's influenced me, it opened up a lot for her to heal as well. So she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal. I love her to pieces. So thankful for her, her role in my journey. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I just, uh, I'm in awe of your example that you're setting, you know, just uh, being an integrity in different, different parts of your life. And I'm sure it's a daily, a daily challenge and you, you know, keep stepping up and keep living and being that person that you want to be in the world. But I'm in awe of the, uh, the mission you're on, the impact that you're, uh, you're making and the, the bigger impact you'll be making in the future. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, being that model for all the men out there. I appreciate that, brother. One thing I want to say, I don't want it to be confused, is I haven't figured out anything. The men who are listening that are coming, I just want you guys to know, I, I, all this is my truth, and I have not solved the puzzle. I have not, I'm not perfect. I am not um, exactly where I want to be, but I'm embracing where I am. I'm embracing the relationships that are showing up. I'm embracing my truth in every moment and working through my demons, my dark side, the light, the love, and everything I desire my life to be. It's a journey. And it's so important that you choose people who are willing to take the journey with you and hold you high to be able to pour into you without keeping score and to see you without reservation, to hold space for you under all circumstances and at, at all times. So it's about the people you choose. Choose people wisely for your life. Amazing. Great message to go out on. Thank you so much, my man. I appreciate you coming on here and I hope you'll come back in the future and, and give us some more wisdom as you continue to grow yourself. I appreciate you, brother. Looking forward to it. Well, there you go, folks, my conversation with the wonderful Juvan Langford. I hope you enjoyed that one. Man, he's such an inspiring guy. I just am in awe of that man, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, check out his website, juvanlangford.com, elevationeffect.com, for all his uh, dates for events and to get tickets for those as well. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, share the episode around. Don't forget to check out uh, Unsettled, beunsettled.co, and I'll be back next week for episode 42 of The Nathan Seawood Show. That was The Nathan Seawood Show. Personal conversations with powerful men. 
Thank you.